You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. To this point in, uh, in Genesis, God's word had been spoken, and creation had already always received it. And to this point in the book of Genesis, uh, when God spoke his word, creation responded with, by being receptive, and because of that, everything was good. We saw in the last couple of chapters, in Gen- and even in Genesis 2, that man was expressly forbidden to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Uh, So God's word had been spoken about about that as well. But now we get to Genesis chapter 3. And even though to this point that creation had received God's word and been receptive of God's word and everything had been good. Well, now we see the first account that God's word has been spoken. He has expressly forbidden something. And rather than creation receive it and obey it, at this point, Adam and Eve, this creation, they disobey God's word. And rather than the result of receiving being all good, now we have the result of not receiving God's word turning into utter chaos. The result of when creation does not follow God's word, the result is always chaos. And what what it really comes down to is the fact that Adam and Eve had, had a choice to obey God or not, and they made the wrong choice. And, and, and I want to start with that thought about choices because it's amazing how many choices we have to make every day, isn't it? I mean, think about it. I don't even know how to quantify that. And maybe there's somebody out there. Don't get on Google right now and find out. But how many choices we make every single day? I mean, if you want to know how many choices you make, then I learned this even just this last week. I was reminded of it. Go to the grocery store, man, with your wife. And I, I mean, I was, I was really uh, reminded, because I don't go all the time and, to the grocery store, but I did this week, and I was looking at the aisles and just imagining, I mean, how do you even filter through what to buy? How do you know what products you need or what products are best? And I, I, we were going down the cereal aisle, which is, you know, that always gets my attention. I'm, I'm 42 years old, and yet there's something special about cereal for some reason, especially if it's sweet. You know, we're going down the cereal aisle, and there were dozens, if not hundreds, of options. Same thing in the fountain drink aisle. Same thing in the chips aisle. I mean, everywhere you go, there's hundreds of choices everywhere. Uh, twice this week, we, I was driving around with somebody else, and we were trying to figure out where to eat, and we drove for at least 10, 15 minutes just driving around. Like, where do we want to eat? What sounds good? What's open? I mean, you ever done that before and nobody can make a choice? And if there were just one restaurant in Sioux Falls, the choice would be easy. But there are hundreds of restaurants and Sioux Falls has got lots of them to choose from. You know, it also is true in information overload. You think about even just the constant information coming at you. It used to be that if you wanted to, to read the news, you got a newspaper in the morning, you sat down at your kitchen table, you opened the paper and drank your coffee, and that's where you got your news. Well, now... News comes in a constant barrage, 24 hours a day, directly to your phone. And if you've got your alerts on, which I don't know how people survive having every alert show up on their phone. If you've got your alerts on, then it's all the time. 
countless sources of, in, of information, and it's amazing, they all claim to be right, they all claim to have the authority, yet they all seem to contradict each other. I don't even know who to believe anymore, if anyone can be trusted. And it's, it's never been more apparent than in recent months. This source over here says it's a conspiracy. This video over here proves where it came from. These folks over here, they tout the science. These over here disprove the science. The numbers over here, this group proves that the numbers make their case, while this group over here take the same numbers and they prove their case with the same numbers. I mean, and everybody has an agenda and is, can twist the truth just enough to prove their agenda. Folks, there are voices everywhere. Having so many voices crying for our attention on the news or in restaurants or on the shelves or in insurance companies. I mean, you've got it everywhere. It seems like a great idea. The more choices you have, the better off you are. But the truth is, honestly, having too many choices complicates our lives. Too many options paralyzes us. One author I read said, faced with too many choices, we find it a struggle to make the best choices, and we find ourselves becoming indecisive, unhappy, and even less likely to make a choice at all. You been there before? It feels overwhelming sometimes. There's so many things coming at you, you don't even know what to believe or what to buy. There's so many things being thrown at us that we par we're paralyzed. We can't make the right choices. Who do we listen to? Who do we trust? What do we choose? Well, I just want to remind you that in the very beginning, it was not meant to be that complicated. The ability to choose isn't wrong. God created man with the ability to make choices. And when God placed Adam in the garden, he gave him two choices. He says, okay, here are your choices. You can either obey or you can disobey. You can do my way or you can do your own way. God's way was, for Adam was to do what God said, obey God, dress and keep the garden, and live a good life. Man's way is if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. It's really not too complicated, actually. It's pretty simple. Think about it again. Think about the options. Here, option one, God's way, is I want you to take care of this beautiful garden. I want you to dress it and keep it. I want you to eat your fill of the delicious fruits and vegetables every day. I want you to enjoy perfect weather all the time. By the way, the weather this weekend in Sioux Falls is really nice. It's been very nice. Thankful for that. And so that, that weather, you enjoy the weather. And not to mention, Adam, if you'll just uh, and do what I say, um, I'm giving you this beautiful woman the most beautiful woman on the face of the earth. The most beautiful woman Adam had ever seen. That's your partner, Adam. That sounds like a pretty good life, doesn't it? Well, option two is eat fruit from the wrong tree and die. That's it. So listen, these are the two options. You have a great life. You have a perfect life. You have a beautiful wife and perfect weather and everything you ever wanted. Just do what I say or eat, from, eat fruit from this tree over here and die. It doesn't sound like a tough choice at all. And yet Adam and Eve find themselves on the wrong side of that choice. And it makes a lot of people ask, well, why did God give them the choice at all? And I've mentioned this many times before, but I think it bears repeating, is that by giving man a choice to sin... God was giving man the choice to love him. See, God wanted man to choose him because they wanted to. 
Not because they had no other choice. God desires relationships with us. And if Adam and Eve had no choice but to follow God, then how satisfying do you think that would have been to God? You know, I think the best illustration, uh, illustrations come out of marriage and from and parenting. You know, if, if I, I, I love weddings. I, I love the vows that we make before God. I think they're so important. But if those vows, in those vows, you know, you say something like to have and to hold and love and cherish as long as we both shall live. But you add there at the end because I had no other options. How satisfying do you think that is in that wedding ceremony? How fulfilling? How would that make you feel? Well, I had no other options, so I'm going to have and hold this one. I think it illustrates the point pretty well. That with God, he didn't want us to, well, I have no other option, so I have to follow God. No, by putting the tree there in the midst of the garden, he was giving the man, man the choice to sin, but also giving man the choice to love. It was legitimate. It was genuine. Same thing with your children, folks, is that when your children are young, you want them to obey, and they should obey, but when they're young, they obey out of fear, out of fear for consequences, out of fear for punishment, sometimes out of fear for, for, for pain, and that's okay when they're young, but if when they're 16, they still only obey their dad because they have to, because they're afraid of him, because they're obligated to, Tony, as a dad, that doesn't satisfy me very much. As a dad, I would want them when they turn 16, or even before that, well before that, by the time they're 16 for sure, I want them to love me, and that's why they want a relationship, not out of fear. Now, the fact that man, God gave man a choice tells us that he created Adam and put him in the garden for a relationship. That's why we exist. And folks, you can have a relationship with God. He created you to walk with him. He created you for fellowship. That's why you're here. He didn't give Adam and Eve a tough choice. I mean, he's, he didn't give it. What's not like the would you rather game? You ever played would you rather? Does one bad choice or the other bad choice, and you have to choose the lesser of two evils. No, this was not a would you rather. This was a great choice or a terrible choice. Simple. His desire was that they just choose him above everything else. That's it. And it should be easy, but it's not. Why? Well, I think the passage helps us. Let's look at their interaction here between Satan and Eve. Look at verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. You know what I notice first when I read what Satan in the form of a serpent says here to Eve is he starts questioning Eve about God's word. He doesn't come right out and directly contradict God's word, but I want you what I notice what he says. He says, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. You know what he's emphasizing there? He's emphasizing the not. He's emphasizing the, by saying to add, did God really tell you that you can't do this? But I want you to pay, look back in chapter 2, verse 16, what God actually said. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. That's how he starts it. You see the difference there? In God's mind, God was saying, The first thing I want you to know is that every tree in the garden is yours to freely eat. You can enjoy it all except for the one. Well, Satan comes by and says, did God really tell you you can't eat of that one tree? He's emphasizing the no instead of all the yeses, which I preached on that before as well. God didn't do this to limit, and, and limit Adam and Eve and make them miserable. He said, you can freely eat. 
You know what God was saying? And this is, like, you know, everybody has a different philosophy when it comes to eating. And some people, you know, they live to eat and some people eat to live. You know, I'm not going to tell you which category I'm in. I think I, I know. Well, you know what God's, you know what God's philosophy is? Here's why it's biblical. God was saying, you can, you can live to eat. You can live to eat. This is abounding. It's abundant and it's all available to you. Well, when Eve reframes it to Satan, she says, well, you know, we eat. We just eat to live. God was saying it can be abundant, abundant and abounding. And Eve was reframing it to say, well, you know, or Satan, I should say, was reframing it to say, well, you know, he's just limiting you. He's emphasizing the no here. So he doesn't directly oppose God's word, but he asks the question in a way that highlights the negative and it's open-ended. And I think Eve starts to take the bait, obviously, because in answering the question, she starts reframing God's word. Look at verse 2. It says, And the woman said of the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. You know, that's interesting right there. See, God had said, remember, God said, Thou mayest freely eat. You know what Eve says? She says, Well, we may eat. She frames it differently too. Uh, look at verse 3. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. But are we told that God said, you don't touch the tree? No. Again, we see that Eve is reframing it. Uh, Satan comes in and he casts, uh, casts a little bit of doubt by questioning God's word. And then Eve takes the bait and she's reframing it now. And she says, neither shall you touch it. And it so sounds like she's exaggerating what God had told them they can't do. He didn't say, thou shalt not touch it. He said, just, thou, just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Look at, look at it again. God had said, thou shalt surely die, but Eve says, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. The language is different. I can't get into all of it because I, I'm not an expert in Hebrew, but the language is different. Eve is saying, Eve's saying, well, if we eat it, you know, we don't want to do it because we don't want to die. God says, no, if you eat of it, you shall surely die. It's different language. So Satan comes along and he casts doubt on God's word. Eve answers him by reframing God's word. And then Satan then comes along and just straight up denies the integrity of God's word. Look at verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. It's the first lie in the Bible. He's the father of lies. Jesus Christ called him in John 8, 44. This is what he does. He contradicts God's truth. And if he can get us to question God's word, he can convince us of anything. You know, you say, well, I don't know why it's that important that we believe God's word is, is true and we have God's word in our hands because if you can start to doubt God's word, then you can be convinced of anything. And, and I don't talk about it very much. I probably should talk about it more, but I believe in inspiration. God inspired his book and I believe in preservation. He preserved it for people. And I believe that, that God's word is preserved for the English speaking people in this King James Bible right here. And I'm not just doing it to get amens. I'm trying to let you see we have confidence in God's word. And therefore, we don't have a reason to doubt it. And there's not gonna, something else isn't going to come along and convince us of something else if we stand strong on God's word. This is where we stand. If, we, if, he, can, if he can start to cast doubt on the integrity of God's word, then there's no telling where he could lead us. You must believe in this. It must be strong because there are so many voices and they're all vying for your attention. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we've got to be careful. Verse 5, it says, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, 
Then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You know what Satan does here? Is he questions God's motives. He questions God's motives to Eve. He says, God knows that if you eat of the tree, listen, he's keeping a secret from you. He knows that if you eat of the tree, your eyes are going to be open and you'll be like God's. He's questioning God's motive. He makes it seem like God's trying to limit Eve, not protect Eve. And that's a lie we buy into all the time. So we very often think that God is trying to keep us from something. Uh, but he is. He's trying to protect us from death. He's trying to protect us from a life of misery. But he's not trying to keep things from us. And we've got to be careful not to question God's motives. Because God, folks, listen, God always has your best interest in mind, always. If, if, if Eve had simply believed that God loves her enough to have her best interest in mind, she would have walked away from the Satan right at that moment. He was denying the integrity of God's word, and when those doubts came into her mind, because her confidence in God's word had been questioned, and she doesn't have the same maybe fear of the consequences, you know, or that maybe she, uh, she, she's kind of questioning God's motives, because of that, folks, then she starts to then look at the tree and say, wow, it, actually, it looks pretty good. It's, the fruit looks good, and I mean, it looks appealing to me. And this is how sin works. And I'm not going to spend much time on it today uh, because we've got a lot to get through. But, but the further you get from God's word, the more tempting sin becomes. You ever been there in your life? Where it, it not even maybe deliberately, but, it, but maybe just subconsciously, you know, you're in God's word and then you set it aside for just a little bit and you get distracted and now you're further and further from God's word. And guess what? Now sin looks a lot more tempting. That's why the psalmist said, David, I, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We need God's word to, to prevent sin. We must be, pre it must be present, it must be a part of our lives. So here we have Adam and Eve and they sin and they disobey God's word and they make the wrong choice. And we're not going to get into all of it, we're, we're going to have a couple weeks in this passage. But some choices are simple, we're going to go back to choices. Some choices are simple, but it doesn't mean they're easy. See, think about this. God gave Adam and Eve the ability to make a choice so they could choose God. They only had one rule. It wasn't restrictive. God's not that kind of God. He didn't give them all these rules up front. He just said one rule. So Christian and teenagers especially, don't assume that God's a mean God who wants you to be miserable. He gave you one rule at the very beginning. That's it. One rule, don't eat of the tree. And the rule was there so man would choose God. But instead of choosing God, mankind chose his own way. And folks, I have to say this, this is, this is evidence of how sinful we are. And I know this isn't, this isn't popular in our culture, but even in a perfect environment with one temptation, mankind blew it. Don't buy into the philosophy that our choices and our behavior can be blamed on our home situations or where we grew up or the community in which we were raised or in the environment in which we live. Your environment doesn't make your choices for you. Your background doesn't determine where you end up. Your choices are your responsibility as evidenced by the fact that Adam and Eve had a perfect setup to choose right and they blew it. Don't buy into that philosophy because it's not accurate. The choice for God seems so simple, but just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. And here's why. What made the choice difficult? And here we are. We're going to start getting into it here. Another voice showed up. It was simple when it was just God's voice. But then another voice showed up. 
And suddenly what was easy is no longer easy. See, Adam and Eve were created to be in tune with God. They were created to fellowship and walk with and relate to God. And they were interacting and they were with him. And things were fine until another voice showed up. Satan showed up and his voice actually sounded like God's. The information was close enough to what God had said that it kind of made sense. You know, God saying, follow me, fellowship with me, take care of the garden, eat what you want, live forever in peace, just stay away from that one tree. Well, Satan's voice comes along and he says, well, you're not going to die. God just doesn't want your eyes to be open to be like him. Satan exploits Adam and Eve's freedom of choice, ability to choose, and he uses it against them. He knew if he could make the alternative to God's way seem shiny enough, Adam and Eve would take the bait. And it's the same way with us. God designed you to be in tune with him. We were created for fellowship, and he gives us the freedom to choose, so we'll choose him. We're designed to hear and follow his voice. Now, I have to say this too, not audibly, We believe that there's not extra biblical revelation. We have everything we need from God right here in God's word. So when I say God's voice today, I'm not doing something spooky or different. It's interchangeable with the phrase God's word, okay? We're on the same page there. God's voice and God's word, we believe that God speaks to us through his word. I have to say that. But the choice to follow God's voice is complicated. Why? Well, like Adam and Eve, there's another voice. But there's not just one other voice. See, in some ways, it's much more complicated for you and I because we have thousands of voices. Unlike Adam and Eve with just one competing voice, we have to filter through hundreds of thousands of voices. And we're paralyzed by all the choices. And to illustrate this, I... I, I just, I love to use Carter. Just, Carter just has an illustration face. Would you come up here, Carter? His eyes were closing right at that moment. So I had to, no, just kidding, they weren't. Can you just scan right here in the middle, right in front of the pulpit? This is Carter, and Carter's, a, is, your ear, is your hearing okay? You have good hearing? Okay. Mom and Dad, do you agree with this sometimes? Okay, yeah, okay, average, okay. So what I would like for you to do is, Brother Samuel, would you come and just stand right here in the middle, maybe about halfway up? And so to illustrate what I'm trying to get to today about the voices in our lives, we're going to go back to the cereal illustration. I guess I'm hungry this morning. Brother Samuel, what's your favorite cereal? Captain Crunch peanut butter. Let's just stick with Captain Crunch just because it's shorter for now. Okay. Um, I'm just glad he didn't say, like, uh, grape nuts or something, because then his, his status on staff might be, you know, in question. Okay, so Captain Crunch, okay? So, Carter, I just want you to, I, I'm going to have Samuel, Brother Samuel, to say, Captain Crunch, Captain Crunch, Captain Crunch, and then after he's done, I'll tell him when to stop, you tell me if you can, if you heard him okay. So, go ahead. Okay. Did you hear him? Okay. Okay. So speak up a little bit louder this next time. And so I'm going to have you then give me a cereal. Raisin Bran. Okay. Healthy. Okay. So you get to be Raisin Bran. Thank you, Rachel. This whole group is Raisin Bran. So Brother Samuel, start your chant. When I look at you, 
you start saying Raisin Bran. Here we go. Come on, you can speak up louder than that. Okay, all right, stop. Okay, did it get a little harder to hear him? Okay, so I'm going to let you choose one, somebody in this section right here. Cheerios, we have more healthy people, okay? Now, I know, this is my daughter, I know the kind of cereal they like. It's not Cheerios, okay? If there's not marshmallows, there's sugar. Okay, so we're going to do the same thing. When I point to you, you do yours, you do yours, I point to you. And you, you'll say Cheerios, okay? So, right here we go. Speak up, Samuel, Brother Samuel. Okay, stop. So, could you hear Brother Samuel? Okay, all right. So, let's just combine these two sections because I think the point's being made. Give me a cereal. Lucky Charms. Thank you, Lucky Charms. I was waiting for Lucky Charms. <laughs> Okay, right, so you'll, this, these two, you'll be lucky charms. Ready? You go. Speak up. Yell it if you need to. Here we go. Lucky. Okay, all right, we'll stop there. Okay, so it got really hard to hear him that time. Okay, so now imagine now that Samuel, Brother Samuel represents God, and he represents God in your life. And when you just have him as the primary voice, it's easy to hear him. But now we've got social media over here, and they're saying, focus on me. And you've got friends over here, and they're saying, listen to me. And you've got sin over here, and they're saying, look at me. And now, because there are so many voices competing in your life, God's voice is being drowned out by the many other things that we're allowing in. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Carter. Thank you, Brother Samuel. Excellent work. Absolutely. Listen, and I was going to go through that, but I think you're getting the point here today. Is that That's why choosing to follow God isn't always easy. Because all the competing voices. And you say, it's just not fair that I live in this culture and there's all these voices. But no, don't do that. You contribute to this. We complicate our own lives to the point of not being able to distinguish God's voice through his word. We can make the choice to put our phones down, but we don't, and we check them hundreds and literally thousands of times a day, some people. We make the choice to spend more time watching the news than reading God's word. The commercials are saying, buy this, and the music is saying, listen to me, and the movies are saying, watch me, and the internet is saying, no, look at me, and social media is saying, follow me, or check me again, and check me again, and check me again, Facebook, check me again, over and over and over, and that's a little bit funny, but it's true. And the friends are saying, listen to me, and sin is saying, I'm shiny, just come and enjoy me. And Satan is so good, he makes it all appealing. And in a vacuum, if you could just see the end of all the other choices, you'd probably say it doesn't make any sense. I would never trade a meaningful relationship with God for all these other things that are so empty. But we do it all the time because Satan is wily and Satan is tricky. And he knows if he can just get you to listen to one of the other voices in your life instead of God's, you will turn to a life of misery and chaos instead of a life of blessing with God. Matthew 6 says, uh, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and cling to the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And Satan doesn't really care what the loudest voice in your life is, as long as it's not God's. 
It could be something good. It could be your career. That's not a bad thing. It could be your family. That's definitely not a bad thing. It could be something good. As long as in Satan's mind, as long as it's not God's voice, then they're not doing the right thing. And here's where we fall into the issue. See, it comes down to this. If you want to make the right choices, you have to listen to the right voices. If you want to make the right choices, you've got to listen to the right voices. And there's some in here today, and there's sin in your life, and there's something you're struggling with, and you can't seem to overcome it. And the world's voice says things like, you can find victory in yourself. All you need is to rehabilitate, or all you need is to educate, and you can find the power within. But 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no victory over sin except through Jesus Christ in your life. You'll never find it on your own. You can't educate yourself or go through enough self-help programs to overcome sin in your life. There's only one with the power over sin, and his name is Jesus Christ. And some of you have friends that validate your sin and they validate your lifestyle choices. And I'm thankful for accepting people that love us. I am, but there's only one judge that matters, and you'll stand before him in heaven, and his name is God, and his opinion on your sin matters the most. Don't excuse your sin just because some other voices in your life are telling you it's okay. All sin is against God. Think about parents in this culture, and you've got all these voices, and they're out there saying, Loosen up a little bit. Let kids be kids. And if you're too hard on them, they're going to be driven away and they won't follow God. They won't want what God, what, what, what God has to offer. And, and, you know, just loosen up. Just free up a little bit. It's okay. And yet I read verses uh, like spare the rod, spoil the child. And, and a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And that lets me think that if I'm listening to God's voice, then I, then I can't just let my child do whatever they want or it's another Adam and Eve situation. Where in the garden they're like, well, I'll just listen to my own voice and I'll do what I want. And in the end, what we set up as protection in their lives, they ignore and it ends up destroying them. Parents, we can't buy into this. We've got to pay attention to God's voice first. I'm thinking about discouragement. This day and age, it's easy to be down. And all the voices out there are trying to convince us, well, the only hope, our hope is if this person stays in office or if he's removed from office, if this person takes his place, that's where we find our hope. But let me tell you, a man has nothing to do with hope. Whatever discouragement you're feeling right now, it's not going to change just because somebody else gets elected. The only hope that we have is our hope in Jesus Christ. God is sovereign. He's omnipotent. He's all-knowing. And he still sits on his throne. As I've said many times recently, God has a throne that's never sat empty. Our only hope is if our country will turn to God. We have no hope except that we turn to righteousness. Turn from our sins to righteousness and seek God. That's our only hope. So as a Christian, if God hasn't changed, why are we discouraged? Because not, he, he has not left his throne. He has not left us alone. And yes, things look down. But he's an all-powerful, sovereign God. And if we will turn to him and do our best to help others too, maybe we get to see a, part of a, a big revival because we believed. Listen, uh, don't give up hope. There's no reason to be discouraged. Don't listen to all the voices. You still have a God who sits on his throne. There's so many other applications, but we've got to understand. Listen, you're going to make the wrong choices if you're listening to the wrong voices. 
Give God's voice first place in your life. Make his word your life's priority. I mean, memorize it, read it, meditate on it. Don't just open your Bible when you come to church. I was talking to somebody this week, and I was so encouraged. said, we just got through the first few chapters of 1 Chronicles. Thank, thank the Lord we're done with that, because it's all the genealogies in the list. And it, I mean, sometimes that can feel pretty dry. But you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that, that people are in the Word. You need that. I mean, even if you're going through the genealogies, and you're going through the lists, and you're going through the Chronicles, God's Word has the power to change you and grow you. Don't just open it on Sundays and Wednesdays. Do it on your own. But that doesn't mean neglect Sundays and Wednesdays. Be here when there's teaching. Be here when there's preaching. Listen to the authorities in your life that are giving you truth. We must give God's voice, His Word, first place in our lives. We wonder why we struggle to make the right choices. Uh, and, and yet we're drowning out God's voice in favor of lesser voices all the time. We ignore the one who gave us the freedom to choose in the first place, and we follow some other voice that comes along. What's scary is Adam and Eve blew it with just one, and yet we have countless voices vying for our attention. How are we supposed to succeed? Well, I think a lot of God's people need to start by decluttering, simplifying, Maybe there are some other voices in your life, and it could be friends, it could just be influences, it could be the radio, it could be social media, some activity you're involved in, some entertainment you partake in, and you just need to cut it off so you can hear God's voice through his word again. Just prioritize truth over everything else, no matter what, and and you know what that looks like? Well, sometimes it looks like instead of turning the TV on first thing in the morning, you open your Bible and hide the remote or throw the batteries away. I don't care. Turn the TV off and open God's word. It might mean that you free up your schedule so you can be at church if you're involved in sports or baseball or something else in the community. Sometimes you just have to say, no, God's word's the priority. His voice matters the most. That may mean somebody in here needs to change a job so you can meet with your church family. God's voice uh, if we listen and put it first, it blesses us. You won't, God will not uh, just send you off on your own with no help if you make a choice to put him first. Some of us need to put down the earbuds and concentrate on God's word or separate from some friend or even some family. And I know that's controversial, but if you've got family or somebody in your life that don't encourage your walk with God, you have to make some choices. Simple choices, but not easy. You need to make sure God's voice is the one most represented in every decision, every day, big or small, because making choices apart from God's word always leads to heavy consequences. Just think about what Adam and Eve had to deal with. I'm not going to read them, but we find out later in this chapter, for the first time, all the things they had to go through because of their choices. For the first time, they felt shame. For the first time, their relationship with God was broken. For the first time, they felt fear. For the first time, they were aware of their sin. For the first time, they were blame shifting. And there was problems in the relationship, the marriage relationship. And as a result of their choice, the snake was cursed to crawl on his belly. The woman was, was, would suffer in childbirth. And the man would have to work and labor just to survive. But the worst consequences of all was death. Short-term, physical death. Now, they didn't die right away, but because of their sin, 
God doesn't allow sin to just live forever. The consequences, the wages of sin is death. And they had to deal with death. Eventually they would have to because of their choice. Not only that, for the first time ever, they had to take a lamb and God sliced its throat, let it bleed out, and sacrificed that lamb for their sins and then skinned it and put their clothes on Adam and Eve. The first time they're thinking this is the first death they'd ever seen and it was because of their sin. Not only that, death eternally, spiritually, separation from God because of their choices. So as they're walking out of the Garden of Eden and they're clothed in this bloody lamb's skin and they're, they're looking back at the garden that they'll never enter one more time ever again. And do you think they're thinking, boy, that was a bad choice? Absolutely. And you know, we've all been there before where we make a choice and it's not the right choice and boy, it just feels so into the world. Why would I do that? What did I do? I chose my own way over God's way and look at the mess. But let me remind you though the most important part of this story down in 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And I'm not going to go into all of that. But God just made the first reference to Jesus Christ in the scripture. The promise that the woman's seed would one day come thousands of years in the future because of Adam and Eve's sin, God would require his son, Jesus Christ, to be sent to the earth and die on a cross so that man could be restored to God once again. So even in all this, even with the wrong choices and even with the the terrible price that sin brings, God makes a promise And it's a promise of grace. See, listen, folks, even though, and I want you to pay attention here, even though Adam and Eve listened to the wrong voice and they made the wrong choice and it affected all of us, God loves us so much that he also made a choice. And his choice was that he would send his own son to be born as a human and grow up on this planet and die on a cross as a 33-year-old man for the sins of all mankind. So while Adam and Eve are making choices that would lead to death, God was making a choice that would lead to eternal life. We're all sinners and we all deserve to pay for our sins, but Jesus died in your place. You must recognize that sin is a death penalty and turn to Christ as your only hope. Folks, today all you have to do is choose Jesus Christ. Somebody in here needs to make that choice. You're listening right now to God's voice, not mine, God's voice through his word. And it's prompting you even right now that you need to make the decision to receive Christ as your savior. And right now you need to turn tune out all the other voices. You need to tune out that voice inside that says, I think I'm good enough because you're not. You need to tune out the voices in your life that say, if you'll just work hard enough, you can get in because you can't. You need to tune out the voices that say, if you just have a good heart, that's all God's looking for. No, that's not, the, that's not the case. Your problem is your sin. And Jesus Christ is the only one that can pay for your sins. That's the choice that you must make this morning. And I believe that somebody in this room probably needs to make the choice.
All you have to do is choose. You simply listen to God's word. Listen to God's voice right now and make a choice. And it's true in every area. Salvation, of course. But folks, you can choose him as a Christian first. You just have to start listening to the right voices. You can choose him. I'm looking around and I love teenagers. You can choose him even as a teenager. Most teenagers don't. But you can. You can choose him as a young person. You can put him first and follow him and serve him and make a difference in your friends and make a difference in your school. But you have to listen to the right voice. You can choose him today. You can choose, folks, you can choose God at work. You can make a difference at work and be a light. But you've got to listen to the right voices. You can choose him in that matter of forgiveness that you're struggling with. you just got to listen to the right voice. You have the choice. Just listen to the right voice. Not your own. Not your friends. Not TV or internet or social media. God's voice. That's our best life. God's word. When obeyed, it always leads to something good. And anybody can choose God. You say, well, you don't know my past. Listen, God didn't kick Adam and Eve out of the garden with no hope of restoration. Right there after the first sin. When if, if it had been me, I'd be like, what are you doing? And I might have just judged him right there. But no, he said, no, because of this sin, I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sin. See, you say, well, you don't know my choices and you don't know my past. But God does, and he still sent his son, Jesus Christ. And you know who he was thinking of when he was dying on the cross? You. He gives you the choice today to choose him. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how far you've been. God chose you. You choose God. Think about the kind of God he is. Adam and Eve made this choice that ushered in death for mankind. But God used his choice to bring eternal life to us. He's not interested in your pain. He's not interested in your misery. He offers life. To you, wherever you are, it's not too late. One right choice can change everything. And I don't know, there's so many applications, but I'm going to ask you to consider this. What one choice in your life right now would make the biggest difference? What's the one choice that you need to make right now? In priority, in habit, in sin, in a relationship, in anything. What's the one choice that if you made it this morning, it it would be the single difference biggest difference maker you have two choices you can listen to the wrong voices and make bad choices and endure some heavy consequences or you can listen to God's voice and make a right choice and enjoy life blessed by God and free from the consequences of sin it's all up to you We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.